Hey, so um, I've talked a whole lot lately about next steps, have I not? Um, maybe just a little bit over the last several weeks. Uh, one big one that my wife and I got to take last year about this time was was teaching together here at Pathway. And now we're going to take another big next step, which is we're going to teach a series together here at Pathway. So if you'll join me in welcoming my bride of 22 years, Elena. Hope you don't mind PDA. You just got some. <laughs> but uh, we're excited because, uh, first of all, we love speaking into relationships. Um, and just really right off the top, I want to make sure that you know we're going to be talking about relationships, but this isn't uh, just uh, dedicated to uh, husband and wife or uh, you know boyfriend-girlfriend relationships. This is really all relationships. So uh, don't tune out, is what I'm saying. Don't tune out. Uh, if, if you're not currently in a relationship, that's fine. You're going to see some people this week that you're in a relationship with called your family. And you may need some of the tools we're going to talk about today, okay? Um, the series that we're going to start today is called It's Complicated. All right, so how many have ever seen either on social media or maybe you would characterize one of the relationships in your life has been labeled It's Complicated, right? Okay, I think all of us, if we were honest, could certainly raise our hands to that, especially as it, as it relates to the, the closer relationships in our life, right? So those that are um, in, our, in our homes, that are in our workplaces, the, the people that we interact with every day, our family. Um, so we're going to be talking about that with you. Um, relationships are complicated a lot of the times because we make them complicated. And so we're going to be sharing some things from, from the Word of God today, some truth with you. And our hope is that you'll take what can be sometimes these very complicated relational topics or ideas or issues, and through the lens of God's word, see how really God helps uncomplicate them for us. Amen? And so um, there's a looking at, you know, from, from our, our perspective, we just want you to kind of be willing to look inside and look at yourself. Uh, sometimes it's real easy when you're and you're being you know, taught, especially something like what we're going to talk about today, um, to disqualify yourself or to say that's for that other person that's sitting beside me or that isn't here. <laughs> Anyone ever done that? Okay. My challenge to you today is to hear what we're saying and take a look at your own heart and take a look at where you are. Okay. Yeah. So today we're going to start on a topic that may at first make you go, ooh, are they starting there? But we're going we're gonna to talk about forgiveness and trust. Yeah, forgiveness Yeah, we're hitting the big trust. one right off the bat. Yeah, we're, we're just going to go out with a bang, right? But forgiveness is such a um, foundational topic that you really need to, to tackle in any type of relationship, whether it is friendships, like you said, with a spouse, with I mean, you have relationships all throughout your life, and at some point, someone is going to hurt you. They're going to say something, or they're going to do something, or they're going to have some type of body language, or roll their eyes. I get in trouble for that all the time. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and you're going to get, in, you know, you, you're going, you are going to, at some point in your life, offend someone in your life, because people aren't perfect, right? right. We're not perfect. As much as we try to be, and I tell Mark I'm perfect, but he doesn't really believe me. If you're perfect, leave this room right now, please. 
But people are going to inevitably hurt you. They're going to say things or do something or they're going to, I mean, just, I mean, I'll be honest. Sometimes there's things that's happened to me that's made me fight and mad. Like I can go from zero to 100 in five seconds. Like just make me mad, right? Whether it's intentional or not. Woo. Be careful, Lena. Where it's intentional or not, um, at some point in our life, we're going to have to forgive. We're going to have to offer forgiveness to someone. We're going to have to be gracious and offer that forgiveness depending on. Now, it sounds easy to forgive. If you hear the word forgive, oh, it sounds so easy. Forgive, little bird. No, no, it's not. Forgiveness is not easy. Depending on the level of forgiveness that is needed, Right? Yeah, like I stole the a couple easier. of M&Ms from her yesterday. Yeah. And after a few hours, she forgave me. Yeah. Or when the kids come by and they drink all of my Coke Zero out of my cup. Yeah, yeah no, don't do that. <laughs> Please but don't do some, that. Some hurts and some, and some hurts and some wounds that people inflict on us go a lot deeper, right? Surface, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, hey, I forgive you. But sometimes those wounds and those hurts go really, really deep. And sometimes it takes a lot longer to forgive. And so today we're going to talk about what that means. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, we all know this chapter in the Bible, these scriptures. But it says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking Oh, and this is the hard one. <laughs> it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Okay, how many? Hello. Keep record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always, I love this part, it always protects. It always trusts. Always. It's not sometimes or whenever I feel like it. It's always. Always is Always. It always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. And the two things, and obviously I know this is a passage that gets talked about a lot through the lens of relationships, uh, but the two that we're really going to highlight today specifically is it keeps no record of wrongs and always trust. We're talking about trust and forgiveness. Um, the title of this message, I was, I was jogging. God speaks to me when I jog. I don't know why this is a thing. Or when I mow. It's, it's usually, I guess that's when I'm the quietest in my mind. Um, but when I was running last week, uh, the, the message title came through so clearly to me. And it was, this series is called It's Complicated. The message today is Game Over. And what I'm talking about, what I want you to hear in the, 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 the content of what we share today is in this passage, it says it keeps no record of wrongs. Here's what happens in so many relationships that, that's toxic and detrimental, is there is a scorecard. And we keep the record. And whether it's a spouse, or whether it's a boyfriend, girlfriend, or it's a relative, or it's a coworker, or it's a child, whatever the context, it is toxic. And it kills relationship. And what we're going to be kind of uncovering today is what it looks like in the context of our relationships to offer forgiveness and rebuild trust. But what I want you to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you as you self-examine, right? We're going to let the Holy Spirit shine a light on our heart is what is my part? What do I need to do? What forgiveness do I need to give 
Or what forgiveness do I need to offer or to take, rather? So within that, I just, I just want, you know, I want to open us up in prayer, but I want to set the table with, let's all be very honest with ourselves because it's really easy not to. And it's really easy to always point the finger at the other person. But today we're going to kind of take a look at ourselves, okay? So let's pray together. Father, we just open our heart up to you. And we ask that you would soften the soil of our heart that you would have our ears hear what you have us to hear, our spiritual ears, our spiritual eyes to see what you'd have us to see, and that we'd be forever changed by it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen? So we're going to dive right in here, and we're going to do, we're going to kind of go through this with a series of questions that we're going to ask and kind of answer with each other. So the first question is, what is forgiveness? I get to answer that. Yay! Let's start off with the hardest question. What is forgiveness? You got it. I, I got it. I got it. We got this. So forgiveness, if you're like, you know, there's some people that just kind of give definitions, but there's some people that like the book definition or in my case, the Google definition of what is forgiveness. Forgiveness has such a deep meaning. It says forgiveness is a deliberate decision to release Feelings of anger, resentment, or vengeance towards someone who hurt you. And I'm going to read that again because I think there are words that, you know, pop out that we definitely need to take inventory of. It's not something that you really need to rush by because your spirit needs to absorb it. And it says it's a deliberate decision. Forgiveness is a deliberate decision. It is something that you have to choose to do. You have to choose to forgive. Because let me tell you this, the devil does not want you to forgive. The enemy does not want you to forgive. He wants you to stay in unforgiveness. He wants you to stay there and lay in it and love it. That's where he wants you to, he wants you to stay because he knows if he can keep you there, you will never move forward with Christ. You'll never move forward with your walk with Jesus if he can keep you in unforgiveness. It is a deliberate decision to forgive. And it's releasing feelings of anger. You're going to have feelings of anger and resentment and vengeance towards someone. But it's a choice that you're going to have to make to say, I'm going to let go of that. Like, I'm going to release it. I'm not going to hold on to that. And so when Mark asked me, he's like, well, you know, what is your definition of forgiveness? And I said, simply to let go. Like, to let go of whatever it is I'm holding on to. And uh, what was cool about that yeah. is when <clears throat> she looked it up, in the New Testament alone, there's something like 140 some odd references to forgiveness. And in the Greek, that's one of the definitions of that word is to let go or to give away. Yeah, so forgiveness, if we talk about forgiveness, which is letting go, then if we look at the word unforgiveness, it means to hold on to. So if you are not giving, if you're holding on to unforgiveness in your heart, then you're not letting go of what's in there. You're holding on to what is in there. And when you look at forgiveness, it, I mean, let's just be honest. Is forgiveness easy? No. I mean, forgiveness is hard. Depending on the level of hurt that you're enduring, like him stealing something or... Yeah, the M&M's was easy. Yeah, but. it was easy. But there are other times when the wounds are so deep, like maybe a spouse cheated on you. Maybe someone started rumors about you that were horrible rumors. You know, maybe, I mean, there's a list of on and on of things that people can do to you that can hurt you. Depending on that level, 
is depending on how, how easy or how hard it is to forgive. Like how long is your process gonna be? How long is that journey of forgiveness gonna be? But even though forgiving is hard, when people offend us, just like the definition says, it's a choice. It's a choice that we have to make to extend forgiveness to someone. Um, forgiveness is choosing to not be mad or hold a grudge any longer. And here's the thing about it. Sometimes people will ask forgiveness, like they'll say, hey, will you forgive me? I'm sorry I really did that. But then there are times when people will not ask for forgiveness. There are times when people don't even know that they hurt you, but they did, and you have to give forgiveness even when they don't know that they hurt you. And let's be honest, that's the hardest type, right? Uh, When someone either doesn't know or is unwilling to offer an apology, that's the hardest place for us as human beings to just freely be able to offer forgiveness. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Matthew 18, 21 through 22, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked the Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not even seven times, but 70 times seven. So what is 70 times seven? It's 490, right? I think that in this moment when Jesus said 490, 70 times seven, he's like, you know what? Sometimes it's going to take more than one time, one day to forgive someone. It's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, and I like this exchange because it's, it's Peter coming to Jesus, and he's, he knows the pharisaical standard of six times that you should give your, forgive your brother in a day. And Peter's saying, I'm going to one-up him. I'm going to be... I'm going to be extra holy. Jesus, up to seven times. And he goes, Peter, 70 times seven. And what is Jesus saying? You know, forgive someone 490 times in a day. Hopefully, if someone is doing that to you, you cut it off before, I don't know, about the 50th, right? But the point that Jesus is making here for all of us as an example is we should live in forgiveness. We... It's a constant state that we live our lives in. And can we be honest? We live in a society right now that constantly is attuned the other direction. Right. Where we, I call it pre-forgiveness. That's kind of the term I came up with in, in thinking this concept out in my mind. Is I wake up every morning deciding before the offense comes and deciding before the hurt comes, I'm just going to walk in forgiveness. Now, does that mean I am a doormat? Does that mean I let somebody run over me and do whatever they want to? Absolutely not. It, is, it takes a lot more strength and courage to forgive than to hold the unforgiveness. But the point that I wanted us to kind of hear in all of our relationships, especially in the day and age we live in right now, is can you see how easy people are offended or build resentment or hurt today for nothing? We're supposed to look different, church. We're supposed to be the contrast. I think what's been so disappointing to me in all this political hubbub that we've been through is we forget who we are. Like, we're supposed to look different. And if we're getting offended because they're offended and then we're getting offended and we get into this, like, grenade-hurling contest, God's not happy about that. Because it doesn't mean we don't speak truth, but it does mean we walk it out in love. And we walk it out every day intentionally looking at how do I pre-forgive the people that are going to hurt me and live without that constant bitterness and resentment and anger that it sows into our heart. Amen? Yeah. And, and the last part of that scripture totally speaks to what he just said. It says, and when you stand praying, 
if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven can forgive you of your sins. That's what it says. When you stand praying, so anytime you stand to pray, you kneel to pray, you go to bed and you pray, anytime you stand praying, you forgive. You forgive first. You yeah, forgive. And, and the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's, you know, this is Jesus' model of how we should pray, right? In verse 4, this is the Passion Translation, but we liked how it worded this portion of it. Forgive our sin as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. And this is, again, Jesus speaking to our standard. We forgive our sin. It's like Jesus, and I forget the scripture, but where he says, freely we have received, now freely give. We freely received forgiveness from him without condition. We're supposed to offer that same standard to everybody else. How many think that's hard? It is. It is, because we got skin on. But the standard doesn't change. It's still this idea of, if I'm going to receive his forgiveness freely, then I have to give it to everyone around me freely as well. When we started thinking about this topic of forgiveness, I was trying to just meditate, you know, on what is forgiveness and asking the Lord, you know, like, show me what forgiveness is. Like, show me through your eyes what forgiveness is. And in my mind, it's like all of a sudden I saw like this open Bible and all the pages flipping through. And God's like, look at my Bible and look at my word. It is how we live. It is how we grow. It is, how, it is our guide to life, right? How is forgiveness modeled to you in my word? And so I began looking through the Bible and in my mind, I went through all of the stories that I see of Jesus throughout the Bible. And I was looking at all the times in my heart when Jesus forgave. And it was so simple. I was like, it was simple. Like the way he forgave was simple. He didn't call out all the wrongs that the other person did. They knew their sin. He knew their sin, but he didn't call it out. He didn't broadcast it for the world to see, right? When people were sick, like the paralyzed man that came to Jesus, he just healed him and said, go and sin no more. Simple, that's all he said. And I'm like, God, how did you forgive so easily? Like, how did you forgive so simple? And as we were talking, we were in prayer yesterday here at the church. Daddy Paul, which is Mark and Marty's dad, Ron, he was up here talking about the supernatural and the kingdom and the kingdom realm and the supernatural realm. And I was still over here asking the Lord about forgiveness. And I felt like, I felt like what the Lord said in that moment was that, you know, Jesus operated from the supernatural realm. He operated through the kingdom realm. But what he did was by forgiving in the supernatural, he was here on earth, he was demonstrating to us in the natural how to forgive. Yeah, and the best example of that, there's, there's two events that happen within a very small period of time um, on that day that Jesus went to the cross. The first is with the thief. And remember, one, one thief is hurling insults at him. And the other one says, hey, man, like this guy doesn't deserve what he's getting. We deserve what we're getting. And he looks over at Jesus and says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, what? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Immediate, unconditional, no strings attached forgiveness. And then just a few moments later, what does he say? He looks up at his father in heaven and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And he wasn't just talking about the Romans and the Pharisees. Jesus was looking back supernaturally in that moment back at the beginning of time. And then he was reaching back forward to the end of our time. And he was saying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The standard of Jesus' forgiveness is set for us to model is that it's, he gave it once and for all time. We should carry that same model with us. And what that looks like in our human relationships is when I forgive, it's like, uh, I forget the, the passage where it talks about, I think it's Psalms 103. He's removed our sin as far from us as the east is to the west. You can't ever get west going east, can you? His standard is one time for all. And while that is difficult for us as human beings, it's still no less the goal. That we're, when we forgive someone, we let it go. We don't harbor it in our heart anymore. When we, and, and if you look at the way, you know, like when we sin, we sin against the Lord, right? We sin and we do things against the Lord. And when we sin, what do we do? We go to the Father and we say, hey, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for what I said. Forgive me for what I did that. And when we ask forgiveness, what do we expect from the Father? Immediate forgiveness, right? We, and then I know I do. When I ask the Lord to forgive me, I'm like, God, forgive me for what I said. Forgive me for what I did. And I expect him to forgive me, and I don't, I don't think about it anymore because I'm like, I know he forgave me. I know he's not going to bring it up. He's not going to hold it over my head. He's not going to remind me three weeks. I mean, you know, it's, it's, he's forgiven me. Like, I know he's forgiven me. So when we talk about forgiveness, we also have to bring in another element, and that is trust. So we're going to talk about what is trust. Yes, we are. And this is the part that's been making Elena nervous all week because I brought a prop. And uh, <laughs> I almost kicked her last service. <laughs> Here's one of the things that you need to, to get about this relationship, but in relationships, the relationship between forgiveness and trust. And I felt like I could tell you a whole lot of definitions about it, or I could just show you what it looks like, and it'd be a little more impactful. And so I'm willing to take one for you today to kind of give you a picture of it. But I want you to kind of imagine with me, first of all, imagine that this chair that looks a little suspect is very sturdy. I want you to use your holy imagination this chair represents, we have a hypothetical couple named Rand and Nance, okay? Rand and Nance have been married for 27 years, and there's never been a major hiccup in their, in their marriage. Things have gone pretty smooth. And then one day, Rand comes along, and in this representing the relationship with his wife, Nance, that they've built very strong over this period of time, he comes to do what he normally does and put all of his weight on the relationship with Nance. And then all of a sudden, Rand's like, what happened, Nance? Thank you. Thank you. That was my best overplay that I possibly could give you. Uh, last service, I almost kicked the microphone out of Elena's hand, so I had to okay, tell her to be careful. We're not as young as we used to be. Falling can be dangerous. <laughs> But I wanted to exaggerate this point a little bit because I want you to really, really grab this truth, okay? Now, with Rand and Nance, what just happened? Over 27 years, Rand had come to be able to, to they had built a relationship on trust. When you have a relationship, you can't have a meaningful one without trust. So like when I first met Elena, I trusted her to some extent, 
But over now 23 years plus of relationship, we have built a foundation of trust, right? Same thing with our hypothetical couple here. Well, they had built this relationship of trust over a long period of time. And Rand, unaware, suddenly ran into a situation where he found out Nance had an emotional affair at work. And it shattered Rand's trust in the relationship. Now, here's what I need you to pick up, the truth of this, this whole exaggerated, silly example, is Rand now has to make a decision. Rand's got to decide, can I forgive Nance? Okay, And this is a scenario that plays out in our day and age often. The decision has to be made, can I forgive Nance? And let's just say that Rand is full of grace. And within a week or so, he finds it in his heart to, to come before Nance and tell her with all sincerity, I forgive you. Now, what just happened? Rand forgave Nance. But what happened to the relationship? Now we got to rebuild trust. It takes time. You don't do it overnight. Just because there was forgiveness given and received doesn't mean the trust automatically comes back. It's something that has to now be rebuilt over time. And if you can imagine this chair being carefully put back together over a period of time, it is a slow process, especially for a hurt on that level. Do you see that picture? Um, trust is something that is essential in relationships. Without it, you don't really have one. Do you see that? Um, trust really means, and this is kind of the way this, this example ex expresses, is that trust means that I can put my full weight on something, that I can give myself into that person or that relationship without concern. And so many times, um, when we're talking about this relationship between trust and forgiveness, there's lots of things that can happen um, that affect how that process goes. And so we're going to talk about a couple of those things. Uh, but one thing I want to kind of underline as we talk about how do we, how do we rebuild or build trust is it, it's, it requires you to be consistent. It requires you to be dependable, constant. Right? It requires you to keep your promises. It requires you to be stable and to keep your word. And then if you looking at healthy relationships, if we're going to rebuild one over time, it's something that you, just, you have to be diligent about and mindful about every single day. Because especially in the, the, the situation where we, with Rand and Nance here, now there's some things that Nance is going to have to do a little bit different in her life to show Rand the commitment to the relationship to be willing to rebuild it. And one of, the first, one of the things that I really want to spend just a minute or two with you on that is critical to the, the first step in rebuilding that relationship is a sincere apology. And I'm going to be here to tell you that when I read through what a sincere apology really is, it was even a little bit surprising to me. Because I think sometimes we think of an apology as like, well, I'm sorry you felt that way. How many have ever had that apology? Okay, let me help you. That is not an apology. That is the opposite of an apology. Because what that says is, I'm real sorry about your issue. I'm real sorry you took it that way, or I'm really sorry you saw it that way. That's not an apology. That is 
putting the responsibility back onto the other person that was hurt. And that is not an apology. So let me just underline that, highlight it, you know, big letters. Because we've all been there. We've all been in a situation where we were hurt and somebody made us feel bad about being hurt. And that's not the beginning of rebuilding trust. Um, so looking at an apology, what does it really look like? This is what it looks like. Number one, you got to own the fact you were wrong. Ooh-wee. <laughs> I'll just say that for everybody. Oh, Lord. <laughs> how, I do not like to do how that. How hard is that? <laughs> we got to own it. We got to wear it. Yeah, I have a story about that. <laughs> yeah. um, so a few weeks ago, my sister and I, she lives here, and we're best friends. And um, anyway, I had done something that had hurt her and offended her, and she texted me and said, hey, you did such and such, and, and that hurt me. And um, the first thing I wanted to do was go, well, I didn't mean to. This is what I meant, and this is why I did this, and this is what I, you know. But I felt like the Holy Spirit stopped me and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Go back and read what she said. So I went back and I read the text and what she said, and I was like, you know what she said was true. Like, I didn't mean to do that, and I know in my heart I didn't mean to hurt her that way, but what I did, did hurt her. And so as hard as it was, I mean, I, and I texted her back and I was like, you're absolutely right, and I'm so sorry. Like, I did not mean to hurt you. I, you know, I'm sorry. And it was hard because I wanted to justify what I did. I had a whole bunch of justifications but I knew I couldn't do that because she felt that way and I had to own, okay, yeah, I did do that and I'm really, really sorry. And, and then I texted him like, you got 30 minutes to be mad and then you got to get over it because you love me too much to stay mad at me. <laughs> and she was like, okay. <laughs> you, you, you violated one of our principles though. I'm sorry, so. I know, I know, I know. But when it's your sister, I had to, you know. No, and that was, they have a great relationship but it was such a great example because Elena explained it to me, and the truth was, it was not. It was accidental. It wasn't an intentional hurt on her part. But but number two that connects to this, and I want you guys to write these down because you need to know this. You need. We all need a refresher course on an apology because you can't rebuild a relationship without a sincere, genuine, no strings attached apology. Own you were wrong. The second part, which you were just speaking to, is you have to fully accept responsibility with no excuses. And that wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, yeah. but I knew I had to do that. I knew I had to do that. And we all want to do it. We want to say, but I didn't mean to, or but you thought this, or you assumed that, or we start trying to get into justification. How many have been there before? Yeah. All of us, okay? But what is that doing? It's trying to dump blame back on the other party again. That's why it's critical that you just own it, wear it, accept full responsibility for it, and don't offer excuses. I'm sorry, I was wrong, it hurt you, period. Done, stop talking, cut it off, right? Um, the third one is you have to humbly ask for forgiveness with no timeline. That's the one you just violated, you can't give her a timeline. Um, of course, in their case, you know, it was a kind of a funny joke, but in relationships, especially when you're talking about critical things or severe hurts, like what we're talking about with Rand and Nance, Nance can't give Rand a deadline and say, well, you're, 
you have this amount of time to forgive me and for us to get over this because it's not up to that party. It's up to the party that was hurt so, because we all are different. And some, all the dynamics of relationship are different. Whether you're talking about a husband and wife, a family member, a coworker, all those lines look different in terms of how we walk that out, what we're willing to give, et cetera. But it's not putting expectations on the person as to what they have to do, when they have to do it, who's doing the forgiving. Um, the fourth one is the hardest. So buckle up, buttercups, because here we go. It requires a change in behavior. I can't say I'm sorry and then keep doing the thing that I just apologized for. And we've all been guilty of it. But if you're talking about rebuilding trust in a relationship, you have to not, it's, you know, it, the, the acting term is repentance, like repenting from going stage right to going stage left. You have to change the behavior because without behavioral change, you didn't apologize because you didn't mean it. You're just saying words. Well, I'm sorry. And then tomorrow we're right back in the same boat again with the same violation, with the same hurt. The fifth one is I have to be willing to actively rebuild the trust. This is what that means. What does actively rebuild trust mean? There's boundaries now in place. Let's think about Rand and Nance. In their relationship, Rand now is going to have to put some boundaries up because he's having to learn how to trust again. It's kind of like putting on training wheels, putting some framework in place. Um, the other, like in Nance's case, she's got to be an open book. She's got to be willing to answer all the hard questions without getting defensive, without, in, you know, because this happens a lot too when you're dealing with the recovery of unforgiveness is all of a sudden the party who did the hurting tries to set the restrictions and the limits on what you can do, what you can ask, what you can't do. No, 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 no. When there's been a trust violation and the relationships broke, the party that did the hurting has to be open, humble, and willing to hear, willing to answer the questions, willing to be vulnerable, Willing, because it takes that to rebuild the trust. Do you see that? We have to be vulnerable. We have to be an open book. If we want to rebuild trust in the relationship, if you're ready to discard the relationship, then you don't. Then kind of game over. But what I'm talking about today is this is the first step, guys. <laughs> okay? The first step to rebuilding trust own the fact you're wrong. Fully accept responsibility, no excuses. Humbly ask for forgiveness with no timeline. Change behavior and actively be willing to rebuild trust no matter how long it takes. That's the entry fee. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm just so interested in what you're saying. Right. I'm like all, all in. Here we go. <laughs> it, it was some, honestly, that, some of that was revelatory to me because I just had never seen it in that context. But when we're talking about relationships and we're talking about brokenness and hurt and the rebuilding of trust, that you ha it's essential, it's critical, it's the oxygen of relationship, this is what we have to commit to do in all of, all of our relationships. Yeah, we sometimes just desensitize the effect of an apology. It just, it's just so easy to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But to really and truly, you really have to... Those are just words. Just words. But now we're, this is how you learn, right? We learn and equip. And so why do we choose sometimes not to forgive? Yeah, just real quick, Elaine and I were thinking about, you know, these, these aren't an exhaustive list, 
But part of what we're asking you to do today is look in the mirror. So it's not enough for us to define these terms and go, well, y'all go figure that out, what it looks like. We're asking these questions because I want you to answer them. And, so, and I want you to look, try it on and look at what does this look like for me? So why do we choose not to forgive? This is very common, especially in a hurt like what we just described, or, or sometimes maybe even less significant. But when you're hurt, like Rand was in this situation, all of a sudden, what, what happens is a feeling that there's a loss of control in the relationship. So now there tends to be an overreaction in trying to control. And so that comes out in a lot of different ways and can look differently depending on the people. But then it comes out in this, this kind of nasty picture of unhealthy control and dominance and domination, trying to, like I'm talking about keeping score. Well, now sometimes the victim becomes the you know, the, the person delivering the hurt because they can now set up and say, okay, well, I got my scorecard and Rand could hold that over Nance's life the rest of their marriage. And you guys have seen relationships like this. It's unhealthy. It's ugly. Um, it's bitter. Um, it's, it's not at all the picture of marriage that God has or relationship for that matter of God for us. But this is something that you have to give to God. We don't, we're not here to control other people. God is ultimately, the, the, he's the enforcer. He's justice, not us. And so another one, sometimes we, hurt on, we hold on to hurt and anger because on our human nature, it's easier to, to pull it in and stuff and store than it is to, to deal with it in a healthy way. Um, we tend to, I wanna kinda come back to this idea again when we're talking about this idea of scorekeeping in relationships, this is all relationships. And we tend to do this by nature because we like to have the upper hand. This is a lie from the enemy because all it does is deteriorate and damage and ultimately destroy relationships. When we stay in this place of, and, you, and you've known these people before, I guarantee it, where every time you get in a major argument with them, they go back to the list. Let's go revisit the history, shall we? <laughs> And you're like, I asked forgiveness for that 20 years ago. Doesn't matter, <laughs> right? It's on my list. Then you just made your standard for forgiveness higher than Jesus Christ. I think I stepped on my toes. We've all done it. I'm stepping on my toes too. But, but I want you to connect with that because Jesus said, I'm casting it as far as away as the east is from the west. If every time we get in an argument or a major struggle in our relationship, we pull out the list, then we're not walking in for, we never forgave. Number one, you can, you can know that. You said words, but you never forgave. It never got here. What I'm suggesting to you with Rand and Nance is when Rand forgives Nance, there's a moment of forgiveness that happens that never again will that thing be weaponized against him, against her. Now, that doesn't mean it's not talked about. It doesn't mean there aren't boundaries built around it. It doesn't mean there isn't conversation to build trust around it and through it. But it means I'll never weaponize that thing against Nance ever again because I have forgiven her. Do you see that? And can we just admit conflict is hard? Nobody likes it. That's another reason why we choose not to forgive sometimes is conflict is difficult, but it's worth it. Even if the outcome is that the relationship can't be salvaged or repaired, if it's a friendship or whatever the case may be, it's still the right thing to do to pursue 
resolution, to pursue forgiveness, and ultimately to decide on what is the right place that I need to put this relationship and priority in my life. Amen? Um, it, it's so easy when we get into this ugly cycle of unforgiveness because let's just be honest, when you're the victim, that's, that's the harder seat because now this person has forced you to do something that wasn't your fault. But what I want to, like, again, highlight, underline about this is that that offense or that hurt or that thing they did was their fault, but what you do with it from there is yours. If you choose to walk in unforgiveness, if you choose to arbor resentment, if you choose to make the list, if you choose to do all of that, harbor all that, let your heart become hard, then that's on you. That's not on them. So today, what Elaine and I really wanted to minister to all of you, one of the major things we felt in prayer about this is today we're going to let some people free. We're going to forgive some people that need forgiven because we can do it in this room. I don't need them to forgive them. The process of rebuilding a relationship is a separate part of that. But today, we can walk out of here free from that hurt and that damage that was caused us through those very severe circumstances. Amen? Yeah, and there's some things that, you know, when you are sitting in unforgiveness or you're in unforgiveness, that it it affects your body. It affects your physical body. There are things that you go through that when you hold on to unforgiveness, that it affects you. You become angry. Maybe you have outbursts of anger. Like just you're holding, you get angry and you have outbursts. Um, it can make you not want to eat. Like you could lose your appetite. It could cause you, you know, to not want to eat. It could cause you to physically get sick or ill, like holding on to it. And here's another big thing I read. We were, again, looking and studying is that a lot of times when you have unforgiveness, you start having revenge fantasies in your mind. Like how many have done Anybody that? Anybody ever done that? Like, like, okay, if they say this, then this is what I'm going to do. If they do this to me, they better watch <laughs> out because I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. You know, I mean, how many times? I have done that so many times. I mean, I know I've sat there and gone, ooh, if he says this, I'm going to say this. We're, we're in the right room. These people have had them before. That's right. Yeah. I think we're, everybody. We're, we're talking about, this is point four, yeah. what are some effects uh, of Unforgiveness. unforgiveness. Yeah. And we that is one that I was convicted about because I've laid awake at night thinking, if I get the opportunity, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say that, I'm going to tell them this, I'm going to tell them that, right? So this is, look at ourselves, okay? If we've had those right. thoughts, like we all have, let's recognize it's a symptom of unforgiveness. <laughs> That's right. You may find yourself also gossiping about it, like gossiping about the situation, talking to other people about the situation. You know, maybe people that don't even need to know your situation or what's going on, but you find yourself talking and gossiping about it. And also, and you also become self-righteous and, and entitled. Um, you know, when, when it's you're... And pride. Yeah. You know, that pride hardens our heart. Right. And a lot of times when you deal with, on either side of that, um, the unwillingness to forgive or be forgiven, it, it's, a, it's a pride component where we're just not willing to allow the Holy Spirit to minister healing to that hurt place. Um, we're, we're talking about, I, I kind of wanted to give this quote because I think it's so helpful, especially with this, uh, this discussion of, of about, you know, forgiveness of other people, not whole, like the revenge fantasies, all these things that we harbor in our heart, there was a quote by St. Augustine that you may have heard before, 
but I wanted to bring it here. Not forgiving is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It will kill you from the inside out. It will not affect the other person, especially if it's someone who's unwilling to apologize or walk in that process. Um, it, it, that if you, I'd say it this way. If you show me a bitter person, 99 times out of 100, I'll show you a person that has unforgiveness because it roots and it grows and it creates garbage. We just talked about this in the last series about our soil. If we allow those seeds of the enemy to root, guess what grows? And if you let it grow long enough, it creates this toxic environment in your heart where everything that comes out is garbage. And that wasn't even your fault on the front end. You didn't do it. The person did it to you. But what we're talking about is holding it. If I hold it in, that's what it creates. That's why it's so crucial, so critical for us to walk in forgiveness. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it, good or bad, right? The thing that um, one of the scriptures that Elaine, I really wanted to kind of start landing the plane on that was, it's kind of a, a reality bump, a reality check for all of us is this is Jesus talking to Matthew 6, verse 14. And he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a high bar, isn't it? That's another reason why it's so crucial that none of us leave here today or, or stop watching online unless we get all the unforgiveness out of our heart. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want anything someone else did, especially hindering me from walking in God's abundance, walking in God's best for me. Amen? Um, as we kind of wrap up, there's something that uh, we talked about this week and really that came up as a result of us walking this process out together. If you've never you know, taught together as a husband-wife couple, I challenge you to do it because it'll grow you. It is very challenging. Because um, <laughs> our styles are very different. Completely. <laughs> But one of the things I really wanted to encourage Elena to share was a story that she kind of walked through that's such a good picture of forgiveness. And so if you want to yeah, share that is, with us. I mean, this is definitely something that is very hard for me to share. It's a part of my life that I really never thought I would ever share. I'd kind of had this and kind of put it in a closet and shut the door and locked it. And I'm like, it'll, you know, I don't know how God could ever use this story. I don't know how I would ever be able to share this story. And, and it's not easy. It's not easy for me to share. Um, but I had this friend, and this was many years ago, long, long time ago, many years ago, I had this friend. And she and I were like the best of friends. I mean, we did everything together. We called each other all the time. We talked to each other. We shared life together. I mean, she was my very best friend. I mean, almost at one point, probably closed like a sister to me. But throughout this relationship, over and over again, I had to go through a lot of you know, emotional abuse. I had a hard time really putting words to it. Mark and I were talking about it, and I had a hard time putting the words to it because I love this person. like truly deeply love, loved this person. But I constantly was going through a lot of emotional abuse from this person. And I would, you know, it would just be things like, you know, finding I did something wrong or I did something that hurt them. I said something 
And because we talked every day and we texted every day, whenever there would be radio silence, like I wouldn't get a call that day or I wouldn't get a text that day, I would be like, oh God, oh Lord, okay, I did something again. Like, what did I do this time? So I would start trying to call, start trying to text, you know, get her to answer the phone. Finally, she would answer the phone. And when she did, it would be, here's everything you did. Like, this is what you said. This is what you did. And I, and I would be like, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. Like it was an assumed that I would did something intentionally wrong, like this bad, but because I love her so much and I loved her so much, I would just be like, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I want to restore our friendship. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I would just add, you know, kind of walking through that, you know, with Lena, she would come to me during those times, like, I don't know what I did. I literally have no idea. And because Elena is such a soft-hearted person, she would just apologize, for, you know, for, for literally nothing. Um, and what would happen in that emotional abusive cycle is what was happening on the other end was an assumption of the worst possible outcome. And so while it wouldn't be anything you know, conscious that was being done, it would be the assumption that it was very, very evil almost and intentional. And so it, it caused Elena to have to wrestle with this in a way that was extremely difficult emotionally, spiritually. Yeah. And over time, you know, through every incident that I was accused of, I would apologize, but then I would stuff it. You know, I kind of stuffed it all and stuffed it time again. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to stuff it time again. I'm sorry. I'm stuffing it. And then there became, and there came one time, one event where um, she accused me of some stuff and it was kind of public, but kind of not, but accused me of stuff and really was just, uh, it was just not a good, not a good day. And um, I just lost it. Like I, it, I was done. I was, it was like all of that that I had shoved just, just exploded. And I yeah, called I, Mark bawling my eyes out. I was on the lawn. Crying uncontrollable. Uh, and I didn't even yeah. know what happened. I thought we were in a car accident or something happened to one of the kids. Like I didn't know what happened because it was literally unintelligible, you know, but it, it was the beginning, honestly, of a healing process that took some time. It yeah. was a, re- a day of kind of reckoning. I yeah. Guess. And so we talked and so we, you know, we, I definitely wanted to confront the situation. So we, you know, got this, you know, we talked to Mark and I talked with this couple and it was still more of this is what you did. And it was bringing back all the stuff I had ever done over and over and apologize. And at the end, you know, she was like, okay, well, that's good. We'll get on. And I was going, uh, no, we're not. G- <laughs> no, 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 I can't do that. And from that moment on, for me, I had to begin walking in a process of where God had to show me how to forgive. And there was one moment when I was going through all these scenarios in my mind, and the Lord simply asked me, he said, is it worth it? Is it worth it holding on to all this unforgiveness and all this ick in your heart and all this yuck and all that you're replaying in your mind and how much you don't like her right now, you're looking at everything she's done, all the, you know, yeah, the revenge fantasies, is it worth it? Are you worth staying there if it's going to cost you your relationship with me? Are, is it worth it? And I had to say, no, it's not worth it. I've lived my whole life for you, Lord. I've lived my whole life to serve you and to do what's right. It's not worth it. It's not worth staying in unforgiveness for this. It's not. So I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to choose today 
And that day when I prayed it, I'm going to choose to forgive. Forgiveness took a very long time for me. It took probably over two years for me to forgive because this was a person that was in my life. This person didn't go away. She wasn't out of my life. She was a person that was going to stay in my life. And I had to learn, how am I going to forgive? And I had to have the Lord show me and walk me through that. And every time I would see, I knew I was going to be in contact with this person. I had to deliberately choose to forgive. And I would say, I forgive. I forgive. I love her. I forgive. I choose to forgive. And over time, the hurt and the pain got less and less and less. To where today, if I were to see her, and if she would need anything from me to pray for her, to lead her in something that she was going through, I would hug her, and I would love her, and I would walk with her through whatever it is that she had to go through, because I love her. The hurt of it, the hurt that she endured did not take away the love. It was still there. It's still there, and I still love her, but I did have to create some boundaries. I did have to, you know, the relationship isn't, you know, the relationship isn't there anymore. I don't have a friendship with her anymore, but I still love, and I still forgive, and it was amazing what God did and how he walked me through that, you know, so just a good personal experience of, of what God, God can do. Yeah, I think, I asked Elena, um, I, knew, I knew that was a difficult, you know, story for her to share, but I felt like there were so many of us that can relate to it, whether maybe in more severe circumstances or maybe lesser severe uh, partly because in this in this instance, the person never apologized, um, and that's a reality that we walk out every day. Sometimes in our relationships and people, is you're going to have people that they hurt you severely, and it can be even spiritual leadership in a church. I've ministered to people that have had that really hard experience, uh, but you're not going to get an apology, but you can walk in freedom. Um, you don't have to allow that person or those people to carry, to allow, to allow them that place in your heart that creates all of that gunk and the ick that she was talking about. Um, and one, as we were kind of finishing our, our prep, the story that came to mind from the Bible that we wanted to kind of, I guess, land the plane with, if you will, is such a, it's a beautiful parallel to, to what Elena was just sharing. And it's found in the story of Joseph. Um, if you look at, this is Joseph, you know, the, the guy that had the coat of many colors and he had, he was the youngest and had this, these dreams that upset his brothers. And, um, so one day his father sends him out to go check on him and his brothers fake his death, throw him in a pit and then sell him off into slavery. If there's anybody that's ever had a reason to hold a grudge or some resentment, I think he would be one of those people. Here's what I love. I reread Joseph's whole story this week. I think it starts in like chapter 37, 34. It goes all the way through chapter 50 of Genesis. Here's what I saw so clearly in his story. You can, it never says in there until you can see closer to the end anything really specifically about Joseph forgiving his brothers, but you can see forgiveness in his life because you watch him go from being sold into slavery to being put in Potiphar's house and being given the favor of God there. 
God's favor and provision and blessing is it's very difficult to receive if you live in resentment and bitterness and defeat. So I believe with all my heart that Joseph forgave them somewhere early on in that story. Because as you watch his story, all he does is have God's favor and his hand on him all the way up to through the prison, made the head of the prison or second command there to ultimately interpreting the dream for Pharaoh and is put in charge second command of all of Egypt. And then there's a day because of the famine that his brothers are literally at his feet. They don't recognize him. And he had the opportunity. I can pay him back now, but he, never, he doesn't do it. What does he do? Not only does he tell them, hey, go back and get the rest of, go get Bubba and them. Go, go get dad and go get Benjamin and go get all the family and tell you what, you don't even need to worry about bringing any stuff with you because when you get here, I'm gonna give you the best of everything Egypt has to offer. It's not just forgiveness, it's forgiveness and blessing. And you see in Joseph's story, it comes all the way to this point, and I love this part of scripture, it's in the last chapter of Genesis that illustrates all of this forgiveness that Joseph is walking in. Then their father dies. And Joseph's brothers saw this and they, they lied to Joseph. And they wrote a letter that was from Pop <laughs> asking them, please have mercy on your brothers and forgive them because they're still, they think, oh no, dad's dead. This is his opportunity to get us. And here's Joseph's reaction. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Why did he weep? He'd already forgiven him. I think he was hurt that they thought that of him because he'd already given them everything. And so what does he do? His brothers came and threw themselves before him and said, we're your slaves. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid, he says it again. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. And even when you see a couple of verses later, him on his deathbed, he's still proclaiming the blessing of God over his family and tell them, I'm gonna take care of you and your kids and your kids' kids from now on. I can't think of a better picture. If you're, you know, sometimes I think with Jesus, we look at his standard and we think, yeah, but that was Jesus. He had to forgive us on the cross. Let me be clear, Jesus walked as a man. But if this helps you, the same standard we see in Joseph's life, just like you and me. But he made the decision early on to forgive, and we can see God's hand on his life all the way through to where you see Joseph blessing his family, taking care of his family. Those same brothers that meant harm for him, God turned it all around for good. Amen. Stand with us if you would. I wanted to, to make an appeal to you, Elaine and I, as we were praying, we felt like there'd be some of you in hearing this, maybe recognize that you need the forgiveness of your Savior. You need Jesus' forgiveness that he offered on the cross that day 
for all of us. And we had several respond in the first service and it was so awesome to see because you could see the reconciliation happening in the spirit. So if every head would bow and every eye would close, I just wanna ask you, if that's you, and you'd say, Pastor Mark, I wanna leave this place free. I wanna leave this place washed clean. I just want you to pray for me. If that's you, raise your hand. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. So many of you raised your hands. I want you to pray some, a prayer something like this. Jesus, I thank you that you gave your life for me on that cross. You shed your innocent blood to wash me completely clean of everything that I've ever done or even will do. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend to walk out the rest of the days of my life with you, not perfectly, but with you humbly through the leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And we have prayer, prayer, uh, I don't say prayer warriors, but that's what they are. They are. We have prayer come people. Come on, prayer warriors. That, they're going to come down, and we, already, we ask you to come down. And we have these, we have some that are couples, and they're going to be here to pray with you. Here's the thing. If you just accepted Jesus, we want you to come forward and have these individuals pray with you. But also, one of the biggest things is that if this message pricked you in any way, I always call it, I get a little scratch. If it's scratched right there, like if you feel there's a little something there, like something we said, it spoke to you, it ministered to you, it touched you, then we want God to minister forgiveness. There are those of you who need to give forgiveness. And there are those of you who need to not hold on to unforgiveness anymore. And today's the day, like I said at the top, game over. Game over. But don't, this is a divine appointment opportunity that Jesus set up for you. So you get to choose today whether you walk out of here with it or you leave it here at the cross. And so I'm going to put my faith that you're going to trust him today. And so as Elena prays over you, I just want you to receive his forgiveness and for you to forgive those who have hurt you and all the things that we talked about today. You're going to release the hurt. You're going to give it away. Today's, today's the day. It's the first day of walking in that forgiveness. It's the first day. Father God, we just love you. We thank you for being so powerful in our life. We thank you for speaking to us truth that we can live by every single day because these truths lead, lead us to freedom. And God, I pray for those here today that need forgiveness. They need to give forgiveness. God, that you would just move inside of their hearts. Lord, that you would begin teaching them and showing them specifically to their life how to forgive. We love you and thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your power. And Father God, I pray for us this week, Lord, that as we leave here, that you would just lead us and guide us and protect us, God, and that you would speak to us every single day. In Jesus' name.
So now's the time to come if you need prayer. If you raised your hand to receive Jesus, we also have a free Bible that we can give you, some free things to, to get you started. But now's the time to come if you need prayer for anything. And if you don't know that we love you and we bless you, Pathway, have a great and very safe Thanksgiving week. And we'll see you on the other side of it next week. We love you guys.